morning. You guys ready for the word? Well, before we get into the word, um, I've just asked David to come. You know, David is so faithful. Is this on, Rob? To just come pray, I feel like God has given an anointing to pray, and David and his wife Rosita are such faithful members here at the church, and they serve with Tara and I, and God is just doing something in this church. And so I just asked them to just pray, and I believe God wants to do something very specific this morning. So, thank you. I want to pray out of the book of Psalm this morning. David prayed a simple prayer that ended up uh, making its way to the psalm. Hmm. And uh, David desired this one thing more than anything else in his life. So um, I want to pray this. And I want you to hear what God answered to him in this prayer. Because I think it's the same thing we desire and it's the same thing he wants to give us. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does no wrong to his neighbor and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man, but honor those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Heavenly Father, we realize that you were speaking to David concerning his character and his, and his integrity. And today you still speak to us in that same vein about our character and our integrity. And Lord, I pray this morning that our greatest desire will be to dwell in your presence, to dwell in your sanctuary, to be with you for all eternity, Lord, that we would walk upright before you through the precious blood of Jesus the son that you gave for all of us, Lord God. So we thank you. We lift up Pastor Mike right now. We're going to sit here and we're going to hear the word of God and we're going to take it in there, Heavenly Father, because you want to change us into your likeness. So we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David. As you know, what is our thoration? You can see the banners on the Sides, just as that's going to be a reminder every time we come into the sanctuary that God is restoring something. Amen? Amen. How many in here have something that they want God to restore? We all have situations, circumstances. We want to see God just inject his, his supernatural life into it. And I believe that's what he's going to do this morning. I've entitled my message, Restoring the Voice of the Prophetic. Restoring the Voice of the Prophetic. I would first like to thank my wife, Tara, who 
You don't get to see her a lot up here other than when she's leading worship, but as far as ministry goes, we've been doing ministry a long time. It's 2007, and she's always been in the background being so faithful, and even when we moved here, you know, she took a job when we needed finances to work at Starbucks. She would get up at 3.30 in the morning, go to work, and then I'd go into the office. She'd come home. She'd homeschool the girls, and she'd do church stuff in the evening, and she's been doing that, and now she teaches she teaches five different classes, teaches Bible at a new school called King's Academy in Swansea where God is just moving and um, she's continuing to serve the youth group and here at the church. And so I'm just so grateful. I wouldn't be able to do a lot of what I do without her. And so I just want to say thank you for all that you do. We have some friends from Massachusetts, Ray and Tracy you can give a wave. They're here this morning just visiting. Very, very special people to us. Ray, especially to me, he's been like a father figure to me. Never had one growing up, but he's been a mentor to me. He taught me how to play golf. Not that great, but I'm getting there. But you've been such a, an influence in my life, and, and you and Tracy are so special to us. So we're so honored that you are here today with us. And so, and we're just so honored with what God is doing in our church. He really is moving, and... Um, we know that before revival breaks out, there's a lot of resistance and a lot of things that happen in the spiritual and in the natural. And I want to encourage you this morning that God is coming into a season where I believe that he is restoring the voice of the prophetic. A few weeks ago, uh, our staff got to share. We got to take a few minutes each and just share on different thought processes. And, uh, and I was able to share a little bit on on prophecy and what that means. And so before we get into the scripture, which is going to be 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, um, and we're going to look at that whole chapter, I want to just give a quick overview again of what prophecy is. The Greek word for the gift of prophecy is prophetia, which is the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to others in the church. These messages can take the form of exhortation, correction, disclosure of secret sins, prediction of future events, comfort, inspiration, or other revelations given to equip and edify the body of Christ. Again, they do not constitute the authoritative word of God, but are the human interpretations of the revelation that was received. They are spoken in human words through a human mind, which is why they must be tested against the scriptures. Whenever you receive a prophetic word, do not take that word to heart right away. We must always learn to test it against the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says this, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. There's a lot of spiritual gifts that God has instilled in his church. And I believe that we're coming into a season where he's going to begin to unlock them in the individuals in our church. And what that's going to do is create a flow and it's going to create a supernatural like force that God is going to break open. And in a youth group, we have our yearly calendar planned. And in the, in the month of March, we're actually taking a time to go through the spiritual gifts and what they are. And we're super excited because we believe we want to speak it to a generation of teenagers who might not know what it means, but God has placed something in them and he's going to unlock it. And we're going to see a wave of revival and people coming to know God in the schools across the Providence districts and the surrounding cities. We believe that and we've been praying it. And so it's super important to understand what the spiritual gifts are. They are tools that God gives the believer that are supernatural, and they help people to see Jesus. The spiritual gifts have one purpose, and it's to lead people 
to an encounter with Jesus. Amen? And some of these spiritual gifts include prophecy. And I talked a few weeks ago about the idea of speaking in tongues and how it's an important gift that we need to exercise and work in the church. To be able to speak to God in a language that's unknown is crucial to the believer because it builds us up. It builds up our faith. But sometimes I believe in the Pentecostal realm, the focus can be so much on tongues that we actually lose sight on all these other amazing gifts that God wants to produce in the believer. And I want to read a scripture found in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. And we know that Paul spoke in tongues a lot. He actually said, I, spoke in, I speak in tongues more than most of you. But I love that he highlighted this gift of prophecy. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. We have to desire the spiritual gifts. Especially that you may prophesy. So he highlights prophecy. For one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God. For one who understands, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and the encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. So he's not neglecting it. This isn't push this to the side so this can rise up, but I believe it's, it's a highlight of both. He says, but even more, prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. The gift of prophecy is such a crucial thing to the work and to the flow of God. We need God to give us a word in season, don't we? A word in season can change the trajectory of our lives. It can change the trajectory of our thought life, of our habits, of the ruts that we're in that we don't think we can break out of. God is going to open up the heavens and begin speaking words to people. And it's the purpose of this. It's to build up the church. In these end times, Paul said the purpose of prophecy is to build the church. When we speak in tongues, it's to edify ourselves. But when the prophetic is released, the purpose of it is to build up the church. And we need the church built up in these last days. Some of the things you guys are facing, the enemy is pushing against you. There's such a resistance but the prophetic word will be released across churches, I believe, across America. And it's going to build and edify the church so that we can be equipped and prepared for what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. If you can turn with me, we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel, and we're going to start in verse 1. We'll have it up on the screens for those that would like it up there. I'm telling you, I'm so excited with what God is going to do and what he's doing. This is such a word in season. 1 Samuel 3.1, it says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering. That word ministering in the Hebrew means to serve. We have a lot of people in this church who serve. And it's amazing because some of you have crazy work schedules. Some of you work nights, but you still find time to serve. There's, so, there's something so crucial to unlocking the prophetic when we serve. Amen? And so I want to encourage all who are serving to continue persevering because you are planting seeds and God is going to speak a word in season that is going to encourage you and he's going to begin to show you what all of your work has been for. Amen? I believe that. And so we have this boy Samuel who is ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli and it says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. 
No frequent vision. When we don't have vision, it's very difficult to have motivation. Amen? When you work for a company, sometimes it's helpful to go back to the roots of the company that you work for and read their vision statement. When I worked at a company, a global company, they would have their mission statement at strategic places across the workplace because it was important. Sometimes when you're just working, you can get lost in the mundane and think you're not doing anything, you're not producing everything. But companies have a vision statement that gives a focus to what they want to accomplish. Amen? And so in a time where Samuel was serving and ministering in the nation of Israel, the word of God was rare. How many of you know when God's not speaking, it can be very difficult to move forward? Amen? It's hard when you don't hear what God is doing. It's hard when you don't have vision for what God is doing in your life and in your family. Because then you feel stuck. You feel like God has left you. You feel like the presence of God is no longer operating in your life. And what that can do is it can cause us to begin to stop moving forward in the things of God. But how many of you know, if you don't hear anything that I say this morning, I want you to understand one thing, and it's very simple. God's plans are not an immediate reaction to current circumstances. You have to get that this morning. We react when things happen in our lives. The word reaction means this. It's an action performed in response to a situation or event. We as humans, something happens out of our control, and we react. Some of us may be a little more dramatic. Some of us may be not so dramatic. But circumstances and situations happen in our life and we react to them. It's so crucial to know that when things happen out of our circumstances, whether it's global, whether it's in our nation, whether it's in our family, God is not up in heaven having this, um, this dramatic reaction. He knows when things are going to shift. He knows when things are going to change. And you know what? He's already put a plan into place to change that situation. So when you are going through something out of your control and it happens suddenly and you react, look up to God because he's already seen it happen and he's already put into place a plan to change that situation. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? My wife has a funny... Um, arachnophobia, and I love to poke at it sometimes. When she sees a spider, you would think that it was the size of a building. And I found these funny um, reaction videos. There were these girls driving in the car, and this spider came into their car, and I'm not going to say anything more. You just got to see the reactions. Paul, if you could play that first video. funny part is at the end of that video, they actually pulled over and you can see one of the girls calling her father, refusing to get back in the car and drive him. She's screaming, pick us up, pick us up. Now what's funny is when you have grown men have a reaction. And so in this next video, you're going to see a father who walked into a spider web. And it's not his greatest moment, but it went viral and it made national news. So I want you to see this reaction too. A family lost their cool after a large spider was accidentally brought into their house. Oh, <laughs> 
announcing he walked through a giant spider web. Quickly unraveled after it was confirmed there was an eight-legged creature taking up residence there. Anyone want to be honest to say you might have reacted like that? The house, maybe not so much. The car, I'd probably be screaming along with those girls. It's important to understand that when we're serving, when God is moving, when we don't hear his word, when it's rare in those days, it's crucial to understand that God is not reacting dramatically to the things that happen in our lives. We are humans and we will react dramatically and that's okay. But the more we keep focused in God, the more we walk with God, when things happen in our lives, it creates an endurance in our lives where we can know that God is moving. And even when we don't see the change, even when it seems like the season is just dragging on, God is putting a plan together. The Israelites were in slavery for 400 years, crying out for deliverance. And I love when Moses was raised up. He was put in a basket, put in the Nile. He was adopted into the Egyptian family, became a prince of Egypt. And then he got to go back into his mom's house where she got to train him and raise him in in God. And then he went back to the Egyptians and then he fled into the desert. And we have an encounter. He has an encounter with God where he says, I've heard the cries of my people and I'm picking you to bring them out of slavery. It doesn't matter how long the season is. It doesn't matter how graphic the season is. God has put a plan into action for your deliverance. He's put a plan into action for our spiritual nature. We're going to be with Jesus one day because of the plan that God activated through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Isn't that amazing? So as we go back to the word, we have this season where God's word is not being spoken. The prophetic is not being released. And I believe that when our world gets dark, and I don't just mean the culture, the world outside the church, I mean even inside the church. When corruption is beginning to grow and spread, I believe that hinders the work of the prophetic. And I believe we are in a season where God is removing spiritual leaders because of the corruption that is happening. Because in this move of God, in this revival of God, we can't have corruption and what's amazing, in the next verse, in verse 2 of Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, it says, At that time, Eli, now Eli was the high priest, right? He was the man of God. He was the one who represented Jesus and God to the people. And look where, his, look where he is. It says, Whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see was lying down in his own place. So Eli, who was the high priest, his eyes began to grow dim. And I believe that this was just not a physical manifestation. I believe this was a a spiritual thing that was happening in his life. Why? Because he had two sons who were operating in such a corrupt way, and he did nothing to stop it. And I believe there are three things that we see in the life of Eli's sons that God is calling out, and he's going to remove in the church. I believe that. And the first thing is greed. When we have greed in our lives, it hinders us from hearing God. It hinders us from building up and edifying other people because greed is all about ourselves. And what Eli's sons were doing is people would come to put a, make a sacrifice at the tabernacle and they would bring meat as a sacrifice to God. And what they would do is they would put it in this pot 
and they would let it boil. And they, what, what they would do is they would boil the fat off of it first because the first portion would always go to God. And the fat part, how many of you love a nice big piece of steak? And when that's, that fat is rendered on the side and you take a big bite of it with mashed potatoes, it's so good. It's the best piece of the meat. And so in the Bible days, the fat part was known as the most luxurious part of the meat. And so they would put it in this pot and it would boil it off as an offering to God. So we give God, number one, we give God to first all the time and we give God the best. And what would happen is Eli's sons, what the priests would do is they would take their fork and they would jab it into the pot and whatever came out was their portion. But they would have to wait for that part to boil off. And what Eli's sons would do is when people came to give the sacrifice, they would take the raw meat from them. They were taking the best part. They were stepping in front of God to take the best. There's a couple reasons commentators say they took the raw meat. One was because they got to cook it the way they wanted. And another commentator said it was because raw meat was more, um, you could sell raw meat. It was more um, expensive. They could get more money from that and then they would pocket that. For whatever reason it was, they were stepping in front of the things of God. And I believe that in our nation we have seen leaders who are stepping in front of the things of God in greed and taking from the church and God sees that. Even though this season was a long time, God was seeing that and that greed was actually preventing people from worshiping God because number two, the second thing that God is going after is violence and intimidation because what the priests would do, what his sons would do is when people didn't offer it to them, the people would say, wait a minute, this is supposed to be boiled and what his two sons would do is they would look at the family and say, if you don't give it to us, we're gonna take it by, by force. These were men of God. These were religious leaders who were stepping in front of God. And God had to remove this in order for the prophetic to come to pass. Amen? Amen. And the, sec the third thing is sexual immorality. These priests, these sons of the high priest, were sleeping with women in the temple. They were taking worshipers, women who were coming to the temple. And a commentator even said this is the equivalent of sex scandals that we see today in the church. The Bible is so relevant to today. And what God did is he began putting into place a transition because the time of corruption had gone on too long. And what's amazing is people were being hindered from worshiping God because of these priests. And Eli, who may not have done these things, he turned a blind eye and continued to allow his sons to do it. So now you have this, the nation in this place where they're not hearing God. The word of the Lord is rare. But what do we say at the beginning of this message? When circumstances change, God doesn't react the way that we do. So God was already putting a plan into place in a boy named Samuel who would come into the temple to serve God and he would raise him up to become a voice, a prophet to the nations in that time. And we see later on in verse 3 that it said, not one word from Samuel's mouth fell to the ground. Isn't that amazing? When corruption was in the church, when it was in the tabernacle, God raises up people with a pure heart who he will use to speak his word to change a nation at that time. Amen? <clears throat> Samuel was a transition piece in the history of Israel. We see the judges, but Samuel became a transition person in between shifting into kings who would come into rule. Amen? Verse 3, it says, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark was. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. You know what one of the jobs of the high priest was? 
It was to keep the lamp from burning out. We can see earlier in the scriptures where it said the high priest, Aaron and his sons, were to keep the lamp going. God never wanted this lamp to go out. It would burn 24-7. And I believe that's a significant meaning for us. That means God wants us burning every single moment of every single day and ready for God to do something in our lives. Amen? But we've got to tend the lamps in our lives. We've got to allow, we've got to prevent things from the world to come in and defile the light that God God has put in our life. Amen? And because Eli was allowing this corruption, we see this moment in the scripture where it says the lamp of God was about to go out. But I love where Samuel was. It says that he was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. There is no better place to be than in God's presence. His presence transforms us. His presence humbles us. His presence reveals things in us that we need to move forward. I can't stand here in purity of heart unless I have the work of God moving in my life. Amen? We cannot do what God has called us to do or we'll end up like Eli. We'll end up like his sons. We have got to constantly tend this lamp so that it doesn't go out. If you've ever seen a picture of the lamp, it had a stem in the middle with three branches, six in total, that would come up. And there was a reservoir of oil that was on the bottom. And what the high priest's job was to do is it said that they were to trim the wicks. And so what would happen is if they didn't tend or trim the wicks, the fire would actually begin to go out. And when you cut the wick, it would actually start pulling up more oil from the bottom so that it would burn brighter and it would burn longer. And the other thing is, you don't just take scissors and you cut it. There was a special skillfully way to trim that wick. If you didn't cut it the right way, then the flame wouldn't burn as much and it would be smoky. How many in here don't want to be a smoky wick and a witness to the world? We want to burn bright for God and for the things of God. So when this lamp was tended the right way and cut the right way, this lamp, this light would burn. It would burn at its brightest. It would burn and have more endurance. And we see in the scriptures that God was the vine dresser and he would do cutting. And there were two things. It said with this vine that would grow, he would cut away people who had no fruit in their lives. And then it said he would also prune. Did you know that pruning and cutting are the same way, are the same thing? He's cutting something away. But the difference is this. When you cut something off of a plant, you're cutting it away so it never grows back because it's actually hindering its growth. How many of you in here want to say, I don't want to be something that's cut off from the things of God? But in the life of a believer, when we produce fruit, guess what? God still has to cut things. But pruning is something very special that you had to do. My brother and I worked as, um, as uh, landscapers, and one of the jobs that we had is there were all these rose things that were planted in the school that we worked at, and our job was to prune them. And I remember he would, my boss would give us these shears, and the roses would be beautiful. They would be budding, and he'd say, I want you to go cut them off. I want you to prune them. And I'm looking at him saying, but then the roses are going to be gone. But he taught us how to do it properly. And when we did it properly, even though we were cutting it off, it would grow back the next week brighter, larger, and more beautiful. So even in the life of a believer, God sometimes has to prune things in our lives. It may hurt. It may feel like we're being cut off. But the purpose of pruning is so that we can produce more fruit. Amen? So when you are going through a season in your life where you feel like God is cutting things out of your life... Rejoice and celebrate because you're going to burn brighter, you're going to be more beautiful, and you're going to have a greater impact in this world. Amen? 
It's important where we dwell. Samuel could have lied anywhere, but he chose to lie next to the ark. The ark represented God's presence. At Bible school, we had, uh, in the men's dorm, we had a, a prayer room that was in the basement. It was an old building, so we made this prayer room in this like concrete cylinder room, and we put a carpet down there, and that was it, and it had pipes running through it. And when you would go down there, it would be so hot. And I mean, like, it'd be like a sauna. And for those of you who are in college, you know that you get very tired. And I remember one time I went down into the basement to pray, and the next thing you know, I think it was... Well, now, in, in, at Zion, you had a curfew. You had to be in the dorm building at 10.30. You had to be in your room at 11.30. Otherwise, you got written up. So I think I went down there around 10.30, and I was going to figure, I'm just going to pray for an hour. So I went down there to pray, and I was, it was so hot and so comfortable, I just fell completely asleep. The next thing you know, I woke up. It was like 2 in the morning. I'm like freaking out. I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get written up. I'm going to get kicked out of Bible school. I'm gonna... I ran up the stairs into my room, and uh, I realized the next morning, the, uh, one of the RAs actually came down and saw me in there sleeping, and he let me stay in there. And I'll tell you what, even though I fell asleep, that was the best four-hour nap that I have ever... I'm not even kidding. I think about that nap. I still think about that nap this day. It was back in 2007. I want that nap again. But when, even when you fall asleep in the presence of God, there's no better place to be. You get the best sleep. And when you're awake in the presence of God, you feel fulfilled. He gives you purpose. You feel valued. Amen? Amen. This young boy, Samuel, fell asleep. He took position next to the ark. And I believe that's so crucial to what God was going to do in his life. Amen? Amen? For those that are in here, those who are listening online, it's so crucial to take inventory of your spiritual life right now. Where are you spending your time? Amen. Are you making room for the presence of God in your life? Do we want to see change? Do we want to see spiritual gifts unlocked? Do we want to see the voice of the prophetic being unlocked? Get in the presence of God, and he will change so many things in your life. It might not be the physical circumstance right away, but he changes your perspective. He changes how you view things. Amen? How many of you are encouraged this morning? Verse 4, it says, Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. Verse 6, And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Eli is now getting frustrated. He's frustrated. His REM cycle is getting interrupted by this young boy. Verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. This is an important detail that we need to understand. Sometimes in our growth, God can still be working in our lives, even though we don't yet know him. And it says that he did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. This is important for us to teach our children. They may not know the, the God like we know God. How many know you can know God or you can know of God? There's the difference. There's a difference between knowing him and really knowing him. And our children, are we, our desire as parents are to raise them up in the Lord, correct? So we have to teach them. We have to train them. We have to direct them to hear the voice of God. And it goes on to say, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. I love how God keeps calling. Isn't that awesome? 
Even when we don't understand, even when we don't get it, God still keeps calling because he loves us. He knows that we're going to get to a point where it's going to click and we're going to have an opportunity to hear him. And so, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And now it clicked. Now the wheels were in motion. Now things were beginning to align. And it said that Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And so look what he does. He says in verse 9, therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Can you imagine this taking place? Samuel is hearing this audible voice of the Lord calling him by name. He didn't call him boy. He didn't call Eli. He called him by name. I believe that God is calling some of you this morning by name. And life circumstances, things may have come into your life. You may not know this Bible fully, but God is going to continue calling your name. And as you press in, as you make the presence of God a dwelling place, there's going to be a clicking moment where you're going to begin to hear the voice of the Lord speaking to your heart. And he's going to call out from that place the purposes that he has for you in that season. Amen? How many of you know, no matter what the devil does, no matter what Satan has, whatever his blueprints are for our lives of destruction, that God has a plan for our lives that surpasses what the enemy wants to do in our lives. Amen? Verse 10, it says, And the Lord came and stood, calling us at other times, Samuel, Samuel. We see his name repeated twice. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. If we want to do anything great for the kingdom of God, We have to learn how to be a servant. We have to learn how to serve and what that truly means. We don't serve so that we can get elevated. We serve because we have an understanding of what the kingdom of God wants to accomplish and those who God calls us into our lives. Amen? God, may we learn how to be servants in everything that we do. Mark tells us, In chapter 10, it says that the Son of Man came to not be served, but to serve. If Jesus stepped out of heaven to serve, how much more do we need to follow that example? God lifts up those who serve. The greatest prayer that we can pray is, God, how can I serve you? God has placed gifts in some of you in this sanctuary that have not yet been activated But in the serving process, as you place yourselves in the presence of God, you will sense something different and God will call you by name and you're going to begin to understand a little bit more of your life. Because of time, we're not going to get to go into what God spoke to him. But just to paraphrase, and this is scary, God spoke to Samuel and said, I am removing Eli and his sons. Can you imagine being a boy and getting that word and having to tell the high priest that God is removing you and he's removing your family because they haven't accomplished and done what was right. And the next morning he wakes up and he's nervous. I'd be nervous. If God gave me a word to tell someone in authority over me that you're done. But what I love about Eli is he looks at Samuel and says, I know God spoke to you. He goes, I want you to tell me every single thing that he told me. And if you, if you miss out on something, May it happen double to you. Samuel's like, oh my gosh. So he spills the beans. You know what I do love about Eli, though? He didn't kick and scream. 
He didn't try and take Samuel out. He recognized that it was the Lord, and he said, may it be so. So even though he had allowed the corruption, there was still a humility in his heart and a greater understanding for what God wanted to do for his people. Amen? Amen. Rachel, if you're in here, if you could just come play. We need the voice of the prophetic in our life. I remember there was a time at Bible school where I was completely lost. I felt I am not even worthy to be in this school. I wasn't a pastor's kid. My past was ridden with all kinds of stuff, and I just felt so unworthy. And I remember I came into the chapel with no intentions of, and so the chapel service is going on, and it's, they're worshiping, and then the message is spoken, and right after chapel is lunch. So you know me, and I love eating. So most of the time, I'm out of chapel, and I'm running to the lunchroom. But I was so lost, I was so just feeling like I, I didn't belong here, that I just came forward. I remember I came down the aisle, and it was the right side of the sanctuary, and I remember I just got on my knees. I didn't have a prayer. I didn't have anything other than just kneeling. And my roommate at that time, whose name was Micah Marshall, and God is using him in a mighty way out in Altoona, Pennsylvania, where he has hundreds of teens. They bust in the homeless, and he has such a, a ministry that God is using him for. And I remember he was someone that I was jealous of. He looked good. He had a, you could tell he had an anointing on his life. And guess what? God made us roommates. Isn't it funny how God does that? And we begin to grow, and I begin to see his heart. And I remember as I came and I knelt at the altar, he came up. He didn't say a word. He just placed his hand on my heart, and I broke like I've never broke before. I'm someone who my daughters haven't even seen me cry. I don't want people to see and I broke and I cried like a baby. I, been, I began weeping and it came stronger and stronger. And he wasn't saying anything that I could hear. He just kept his hand on my heart and he was just praying. And it got to a point where I am now lying in the fetal position at the altar, just crying and weeping. Snots are pouring out of my, my nose. My eyes are blurry. I can't even see. But for the first time, I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care if people were still lingering. I didn't care if people were going to lunch. And I remember one time I looked up and there was such a massive crowd of people around just laying hands and praying and praying and praying. I cannot to this day tell you exactly what God broke in me, but it was something that needed to be broken in order for me to move forward in my life. There are times in our lives where we get stuck we feel out of place. And I remember another time, and it's funny, you would think that moment would send me all the way into ministry and I would never have any doubts again. The very next year, I'm doubting the call on my life. And I came forward, I came down the altar. This time it was the left side of the sanctuary. And I came and I knelt down. And of all people to come and lay hands on me, I mean, we had professors who had doctorates. We had people, we, have, we had a cleaning lady whose name was Mary Ann who was so faithful in cleaning the bathrooms and making sure that the calls looked good, she came down the aisle, she laid hands on me, and she spoke a prophetic word over my life that was exactly what I was praying for and what I was doubting. What I was saying God can't use me for, she came up and prophesied and said, this is what God has called you to. She didn't know what I was in school for. And the fact that it was Marianne, it could have been one of the doctorates, it could have been one of the professors, but the, but, but the fact that it was someone who was faithful and just serving and cleaning and that did it, it really shaped 
and changed the trajectory of my life. Even nowadays, I go back to that prophetic word. How many of you in here need a prophetic word from God that changes the trajectory of your life, that changes what the enemy is speaking to you and telling you you can't do? The prophetic word builds us up. It builds his church up. And that's his desire. And what's amazing, he'll speak it at the right time. Even when we would desire it and we don't see it yet, get into the presence of God. Get on your face and believe that God is going to speak in that. Amen? Amen? You know what's amazing about the word of God? Paul, if you can put up Genesis 3.15. Remember what I said about God putting a plan into place when things happen? So in Samuel's life, we see corruption, but God put a plan into place of Samuel to be raised up, to be a voice, a prophetic voice when the word of God was rare. Look what happened in the very third chapter of Genesis when we as humans screwed up. This was spoken prophetically, and God says, I will put enmity, which is hatred, between you and the woman. So this is when Adam and Eve sinned, right? Remember, they sinned and they broke, they brought sin. They brought death into a perfect place. Adam was created perfect. We, we don't even know what that means. He didn't have to deal with pain. He didn't have to weed. I get angry at Adam every time I have to weed or shovel snow or rake leaves. This is your fault. Because he said, because of your sin, I'm going to allow things to grow up that you're going to have to. So every time we weed, it's Adam's fault. But how many of you know if we were there, we'd probably do the same thing. But they sinned and they broke this, this, this perfection that God had created. And you know what God did? He didn't start kicking and screaming. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise. That word bruise in the Hebrew also means crush. He shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. You know what this is speaking of? This is speaking of the Messiah, Jesus. That while Satan thought he won, when he tempted Adam and Eve and brought in death and all this stuff, God said, I already had a plan. And you know what I love? It said that he cursed the serpent, because Satan used a snake. And some commentators say that snakes actually had legs and they could walk around. But when God, think, how many of you are grateful that snakes can't walk around? <laughs> but you know what? God cursed him to slither around on his belly, which means he brought him to the lowest place. That will be a constant reminder that the enemy is on the ground in the lowest place, even though that he thinks he has victory. A commentator said this, and it says, you shall, God said to him, you shall eat dust. This was true of the serpent as an animal, but is also true of Satan. To eat dust has the idea of total defeat. God's judgment on Satan is for him to always know defeat. He will always reach for victory, but always fall short of it. Satan was, in his own thinking, majestic and triumphant over Jesus on the cross, but he failed in attacking Jesus, and Satan made his own doom certain. He thought what he was going to do, and what's amazing is when a snake bites your heel, that's the lowest part of your body. So Satan got a little part of Jesus' heel because that's all he could reach, and he thought he had won the battle by putting him on the cross. But how many of you know when Jesus breathed his last, when that curtain was torn, when he said, it was finished, that Jesus crushed the head of the serpent, and we don't have to live in defeat no matter what our circumstances are, because God already put into place a plan when we messed things up. Amen. Romans 16.20 says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We get to be partakers in that victory. Isn't that amazing? 
When we feel defeated, we can stand up in faith because we have the victory in Jesus Christ. Can you stand with me this morning? There are roughly 324 individual prophecies of the Messiah. So we want to talk about the prophetic. There were 324 roughly prophecies of the Messiah. We have a mathematician named Peter Stoner who counted the probability of one man fulfilling 48 of them. And you know what the number was? It was a one with 150 zeros at the end of it. That's a big number. How many would like to see that on your bank account? A one with 150 zeros is the odds of one man fulfilling 48 of those prophecies. You know what the odds of one man fulfilling seven or eight of those prophecies? They said it's like taking silver dollars and lying them across the state of Texas two feet deep. You mark one of those silver dollars, you blindfold one man, and you tell him he can walk anywhere he wants and he has to pick up one silver dollar. The odds of him picking that one silver dollar and all that is the odds of one man fulfilling seven or eight of those prophecies. And Jesus Christ, the Messiah, fulfilled every single one of those prophecies. And that's for our victory. When we mess up, when we screw things up, God has already put a plan into place for us. Amen? Spurgeon said this, the heel is the part within the serpent's reach. Jesus, in taking on humanity, brought himself near to Satan's domain so Satan could strike him. That bruised heel is painful enough. Behold our Lord in his human nature, sore bruised. He was betrayed, he was bound, he was accused, he was buffeted, he was scourged, he was spit upon, he was nailed on the cross, he hung there in thirst and fever and darkness and desertion. But when he said it is finished, he crushed the, heel, the head of that serpent and you get that victory this morning. Amen? You know what's amazing about Samuel? In a time where God's word was dead, it was rare. He would get an anointing and he would take the horn of oil, he would pour it over the head of David to anoint him as king and the Messiah would come from the line of David. How powerful is that? What a plan. What a plan that God has put into action. I'm going to pray in a moment. We're going to end the service. And if you need to go, please go. But we're going to have some time to just pray at the altar. But as I was praying, the Lord just put a few people on my heart that I just want to pray for uh, specifically. Cheyenne, if you could just come forward in the aisle. I just want to pray for you. The Lord showed me as I was praying. He gave me the scripture, Matthew 11:30, And he said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he told me to highlight and underline my, because that's crucial. Your yoke is not going to be able to be, you're not going to be able to carry it. That word easy doesn't mean simple. It means, it just means manageable. So what God is saying is my yoke is manageable for your life. And he told me to say this, my daughter in whom I am well pleased. He said the same thing to Jesus. And that was before he did anything public in ministry. He was pleased with his son before he ever did anything. And he's pleased with you before you can do anything. And so God's, there's going to be a shift in your thinking moving forward. It's not about doing things to get God's pleasure. He's already pleased with you. And so, God, we just pray right now, God. We pray for, for Cheyenne, and we just pray, God, that the, the blessing that their family is to this church, 
And God, we just pray this word that in this season right now, we break the yoke that the enemy has put on her that's been overwhelming. It's been overwhelming, God, and we break it right now by the power of blood and the authority of Jesus. No longer to weigh her down, no longer to weigh her family down, whatever it's done physically to her body, mentally to her mind and the thoughts, no longer moving forward. And we put the yoke of Jesus Christ on her. We pray for an anointing over her, over her husband, Caleb, God. We pray for an anointing over them. We pray that you would give them words to speak to their children, to speak into that next generation, oh God, to raise up kids who will speak prophetically to their generation, oh God. No longer will the enemy have victory over her life. Your yoke will give a new anointing, a fresh anointing. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Um, Tracy, the Lord um, had something for your daughter Rashonda, so I'm going to have you stand in the place, and we're going to pray. I'm just going to pray a scripture over you. And Hosea 11:1 1 is one of the greatest love chapters in the Bible. We all look at sometimes 1 Corinthians 13, but Hosea 11, I believe, is the greatest love chapter. And in it, God says this, when, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. And when I looked at Rashonda, I saw it was like the Lord was showing me this picture of when you're teaching a kid how to walk. They're stumbling, they're, but they're, they're holding God's hand, and he's keeping them from falling. And it says, I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down and fed them. Life circumstances have created a wall in her life, preventing her from seeing God for who he really is. And God says that if, you, if, he allow, if she allows him, he will take that down, and he will change how she views herself, other people, and God. And there's three things that he wants to rebuild once those walls come down, and it's trust, hope, and love. And so we're going to pray right now and just believe, God, we pray right now for Roshana. We pray, God, wherever she is right now, that your spirit would go and rest upon her. Lord, as the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary to, to put the seed of the Messiah in her womb, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would overshadow her and place something in her spirit, God, that would begin to change her perspective and change what the enemy has blanketed over her life, God. We pray that you would remove every distraction, that you would dry up the things in her life, God, that are there. And, God, there's going to be a shift in her season, oh, God. And we pray... Lord, for Tracy, that you would give her the words to pray. You would wake her up, God, whenever to pray certain things in certain seasons that would just buffet the plans and the resistance of the enemy. In the mighty name of God, we pray. Amen. Do we know if um, Michael Akpata is here? If he's in the children's ministry? If someone could just run back there and see if he's in there. If not, we'll, um, we'll pray. But if someone just can run into the nursery and see if he's in there, then God has a word. Tara, the Lord showed me something for you too that I'm going to pray. Pastor Morning, if you could just come lay hands on her too. Can you guys just begin to pray? We just want to, God is stirring and he wants to speak. Isaiah 54, 2 through 3 says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. And let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and will, and will people the desolate cities. The Lord showed me a surveyor coming out to you. And the surveyor does this. The sur surveyor's job is to make precise measurements to determine property boundaries. The enemy has had you confined in this place of property. The enemy steals things in our lives, and he, he thinks that he has territory in our lives. Amen? Yeah. 
But how many of you know when we pray and when we, pr we fast, God breaks those boundaries? He tells the enemy, no, 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 this is not your property line. And so I thought, saw this surveyor coming and remarking territory. And so it also, the job of the surveyor is they provide data relevant to the shape and contour of the Earth's surface for engineering, map making, and construction projects. God is not only going to expand your territory, he's already doing that, it's to build things. There's going to be things that he's building structurally. And so, God, we just pray right now for Tara that a fresh anointing would come on her right now by the power of blood and the authority of God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing, God. And we pray right now, God, for expanded borders. We break the enemy and we tell him. We dig up his property line. And, Father, we allow your spirit to come in and restake, oh, God. Pull up the stakes that the enemy has put in that has kept her bound and kept her tight. We pull them up, God, and by your power, they're going to be placed wider and more broad. And there are construction projects in the spiritual, God, that you're going to do to build up, oh God. We speak it right now in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. DG, are you here? Can you come forward? I just want to pray. Let's just keep praying. Like there's an atmosphere of praise. David, if you can come, just lay hands. The Lord just told me this morning in prayer that he wants to adjust the L3 and L4 areas of your vertebrae. And what that is, is it, it gives support to the torso and it helps with the nerves that come from the spinal cord. And so we're going to just lay hands on your back and God's going to restore that. And I believe there's going to be more that he wants to do in you. He's not finished with you, DG. You are a voice. You are a voice. And the enemy has tried to come against you and your family. And we're going to draw a line in the sand this morning and tell the enemy he can no longer come past that line. And so we're going to put our hand right in the back. And we're going to just pray that God would heal. And he's going to restore. You're going to be able to move. You're going to be able to stand longer. Father, right now, we pray by the power of blood and the authority of Jesus for new spine, new ligaments, oh God that you would reverse the pain and the tension right now. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, God, that you would restore his spine right now. There it is. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we just pray, oh God, that you would give him new strength, God, support in his body, oh God. Lord, that when he goes to his next appointment, there's going to be a change, oh God, and we believe that, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And we pray that you anoint him, God. Anoint him this morning, God. Right now, anoint his family, God. Use him, oh God in a season where we need to hear your voice. Anoint him, God. Let him know that your light is on him, God. You have equipped him to keep and tend that lamp in his family, in his marriage, oh God. Oh God, give him the skill to learn how to trim, oh God, when things need to happen. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. And so there's a few people that I know aren't here, and we're going to just, we'll find time to pray for that. But what I want to do now is just because of time, we're going to close the service, but we're going to pray. We're going to just keep the altars open if you need a word from the Lord. Jess, could you come forward? When you came in this morning, the Lord just showed me that, and I know he spoke this before, is, is what Israel was going through when they were under slavery, under Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a taskmaster spirit, and his, he was placed in Israel's life to crush them, 
But God already had a plan into place. He was already raising up a Moses, even though the Israelites didn't realize it. And I just feel like God is, there's already things in place. You don't have to pray and say, God, put it into place. It's already happening. I'm seeing right now like an undercurrent, like sometimes water, fl water flows beneath the earth's surface that we can't see. And sometimes in those places it erodes. And I just see that right now in your life, that there's a current that's moving and it's picking up speed and it's eroding ground that the enemy has. And he's going to break that in this year. And so, God, we pray right now by the power of blood and the authority of Jesus, you break off, God, the, the boundaries, God, the stakes that the enemy has placed in her life. We break off every curse, oh God. We bind every spirit, oh God, and we tell it, it cannot come near her home, her workplace, her car, wherever she sets her foot, there's going to be a force field. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous can run in and they're safe. And God, we speak that over her family. This is the year where you're going to restore, oh God. You are going to restore, oh God. And we believe that and we speak that, oh God. Give her prayers to pray, oh God. Cover her, God. Give her prophetic words to encourage her. But we bind every word of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Can we lift our hands across the sanctuary? Let's lift our hands. Just give God the praise for a minute. Give him the praise for a minute. Give him the praise for a minute. Lawrence, God has elevated you in your workplace for a reason, because he sees your work ethic. But there's a spiritual elevation that he's going to do and he's doing right now. I know you've heard this before. You're going to be a mouthpiece in this generation, in your workplace. The, Jesus told his disciples, go out and don't be afraid of what you need to speak. Don't try and, try and conjure it up before. He's, you're going to know what to speak in the right place. And so we're just going to pray, God, right now that you would equip Lawrence, that you would anoint him, God, in his workplace, in his family, oh God. Lord, he's not going to be just a mouthpiece for the workplace and for this culture and for this world. He's going to be a mouthpiece over his family. God, that you would give him words to speak into his children, oh God. Lord, when they go to sleep at night, as he's tucking them in, there would be prophetic words that he would speak over his family. I believe that God's going to begin to give your sons dreams and visions, and he's going to give you an anointing to interpret what those mean. And so we pray, God, that that mantle would be placed on him, God, that he would not feel lost when his sons have a certain dream or you've showed them something, but God, you would direct him to a scripture of what you're speaking to them, oh God. And we rebuke right now the work of the enemy. As this word is being prophetically spoken, the enemy's trying to bring up blueprints to make a plan to come against it. We break those right now. We tell the enemy he is defeated. He was defeated at the cross, and him being sliding around on his belly is a reminder of his constant defeat. And we pray that right now. We speak that in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. David, David Rowland, could you come up? Just continue to keep praying. If you have to leave, please leave. We encourage you to come this Wednesday, but God is just continuing to speak and we, we don't want to move from it too quickly. David, the Lord showed me just someone tripping. There was like obstacles. It was... um. It's like in a race when they have to jump over the hurdles. And, not, and, and in your race, it, not every hurdle was in place. There were some that were being knocked over. And in some of those races, they put water on the other side. That's like unbiblical. I don't know why they do that in the Olympics. But some of the times the runners fall into that. They get wet. They get frustrated. And I just saw that. But the Lord just said, keep getting back up. Keep getting back up. He has anointed you. You have a desire to know God. And there are things that the enemy is just trying to put in your place to trip you up. Don't get discouraged when you trip and fall. 
Because when you fall, fall forward. Then you're just that much closer to God. And so I'm going to pray that God would just put a mantle on you today and for this year, that he's going to restore. And some of those obstacles, he's going to give you the grace to leap over them. They're no longer going to trip you up. They're no longer going to stop you. But it's important what you do moving forward, to put yourself in the presence of God, to serve with all your heart. And God, in his time, will raise you up. And he's going to give you things for your family. He's going to give you things for your friends at school. There's a season that you're coming into that God is going to anoint and equip you. And you know it. I know you know it and you've sensed his presence. But sometimes it's like all you're seeing is those fallen things. Take your eyes off that and keep them moving forward. I don't care if it's 10 that fall in a row. You keep running as fast as you can. And you're going to begin to leap over those hurdles. And so, God, we pray and we anoint him right now by the power of blood and the authority of Jesus. God, that you would just use him mightily in these days. Lord, in a day where we need to hear your word, in a day where kids in schools need to hear the prophetic voice of Jesus crying out and calling out to them, God, we pray that you equip David right now from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Anoint him with the Holy Spirit. Fill him with your spirit, God, to do wonders, God, signs and wonders, to pray for his family members, to pray for his friends, God, to pray for healings and to have faith. I pray for the gift of faith to rise up in him, O God, and we break every distraction every curse, every word that the enemy's trying to use to keep him where he is. And I just see a breakthrough of David running full speed and just leaping over those obstacles, leaping over every hurdle. In the name of Jesus, we seal it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God loves you, man. God loves you. How many of you are encouraged by what God is doing this morning? God is moving and God desires us to be in his presence. Desi, can you come forward? I see like a jar and there was settlement stuff in the bottom. And I just see this spoon beginning to turn and it's beginning to come up. Sometimes we can look at that as a negative thing. But what God is doing in your life, and I know you've sensed it, not just in your worship, but in what God is showing you. And I just see him stirring, and he's going to bring up stuff. Not stuff that's bad. It's going to be stuff, a greater anointing. And it's not just for the platform. It's going to be for your workplace. Like, I feel like, just like that lamp, like God is trimming things, and maybe you felt that. You felt like, you feel like you're being pruned, and you're still trying to be faithful, and you are, but sometimes there's just doubt, like, and frustrations. The Lord says, he's just pruning. That's it. He's skillfully pruning things away, and I just see this light burning its brightest. Like, there's going to be nothing hindering it. And I'm going to pray for just a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. That oil at the bottom of that lamp is, is the source of where that candle burns. And when it's trimmed, it draws from that reservoir of oil. And so I just see a fresh drawing of something from that reservoir. And so, God, I just pray right now for Desi. Can we just lift our hands up and just pray? Extend your hands. God, I just pray for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. God, just continue to stir, God. The things that have laid dormant, God, through different seasons. God, when she had to go away, God, and there was just a shift in her thinking and things that she saw that just the enemy used to suppress the gifts that you have placed in her. But God, there is a stirring in her life that has begun to happen. And we pray, God, that you remove the hands of the enemy from trying to prevent the momentum of that stirring. And God, that something would rise up in her. You would give her a confidence 
confidence in her voice, a confidence in her worship, but most importantly, a confidence when she's by herself in your presence of hearing your word, of understanding your word. Fill her afresh tonight, God, today with a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, God. Let it reverberate in her workplace, oh God. When she punches in on that clock, God, let draw co-workers to her. Draw people, God, customers who come in wherever she is. Lord, they're going to see something in her. Let that lamp burn bright, not an ounce of smoke to hinder that light. And may you get their glory. May you receive all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's, let's just praise God again. Just praise God. Just thank him for what he's doing. God is moving. He's moving. He's moving. Ramsey, can you come up? Tara, if you could just come lay hands on. Ruth, if you could come up too. I just want to speak something to you as well. Ramsey, you have been in a, a season of your life like Moses where she wants her mama. That's all right. Moses did something. He saw something happening that wasn't right, and he ended up murdering the Egyptian. And out of fear, he ran. He did something that he knew was right. It was like he tried to, and he ran into the wilderness. Sometimes when we run, we, it's the best place to be because it was in the wilderness that God stripped things off of him. And it said that he was actually tending the flock, which was his father-in-law's. Shepherds are one of the lowest forms of the occupation, and it wasn't even his own sheep. And so he thought that this was it. This is all I'm going to do now. I was prince of Egypt here, and now I'm the lowest here. Sometimes we think of circumstances in our lives, things that we do, that this is the rest of my life. But there was a moment where he led the sheep to the west side of the wilderness, to Mount Horeb, and it says he saw something. It was a burning bush. And when he stepped forward to that, God spoke from that and gave him a purpose that just blew his mind. And I just feel like in this year, God is going to speak something. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. The way that you see things, the way that you feel is not how it's going to be. He's going to restore something. He's brought you into the wilderness to strip you down to so he can show you how faithful he is. He is your heavenly father. He's your protector. He's going to provide for you. Not anyone else. He's going to provide for you. And he wants to show you that. And so, God, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. We just pray that you restore, God, what the enemy has taken from Ramsey. We pray every curse right now. We pray for her child, too, for a special anointing, oh God, that you begin to show her things, God, that you would give that mantle of anointing to Ramsey to see, to press into the supernatural. We break off that lie that the enemy has spoken, that this is it. This is the pace of her life. This is where she will be. We take that and we remove it right now by the power of blood and the authority of Jesus. New things are coming this year. Fresh purposes. God, you are revealing. You are revealing your plans and your purposes purposes for her life. You have given her anointing, oh God. You are gonna, she's going to change things, oh God. Lord, there are people who are bound for hell that are going to be in heaven because of the anointing that you have given Ramsey, the words that you have put in her mouth, oh God. You have given her gifts that you are going to unlock, oh God. And we speak that right now in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Ruth, the Lord showed me there is going to be a season of joy in your life. You've experienced joy in your life. You have, but the Lord was just showing me you've walked this pace the past year, past couple years, and he's seen the tears. He's seen the frustrations. He's seen the wear and tear. And it's just like, I see like when you bring a car into a mechanic shop, it's like there's things that are adjusted. And I just feel like God's doing that spiritually in your life. And the reason we bring our cars in is so that there can be more endurance 
on the road. There can be, uh, we can uh, survive the potholes, especially in Providence, in a natural way of speaking. But I just feel like there's a joy that he's going to restore. It's in there, but I just see a fountain of it breaking up. And so we just want to pray, God, right now, in the name of the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, we pray for that fountain, God, that we are seeing. We pray that that well would sprout forward, God, that everything that she has gone through, the sadness, the frustrations, oh God. I think of Naomi who changed her name and said, my name is Mara. And she said, there's bitterness. There's the deceit. Lord, you're going to bring that back. And I see that image of, of Naomi having the, uh, the boy, David's great-grandfather, sitting on her lap, and she was able to nurse him. And the people didn't say, this is Ruth's son. They said, this is Naomi's son, God. And I just pray that you would restore the, the, the wear and tear, that life that the enemy has done. We pray that you would restore, God, their marriage, that there would be a fresh joy, God, that they would talk about the things that you are going to be doing and speaking into her life. And we just release that fountain by the power of blood and the authority of Jesus, that fountain of joy. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise for what he's doing. Isn't it awesome? God is moving. God is moving. And he wants to do more. And I just see that picture of Samuel lying at the Ark of the Covenant. And so, Megan, if you could come forward. Cheyenne, if you could come with her. We can just pray for you, okay? I just see the Spirit of the Lord on you, God's anointing. You're in a season that is very difficult, and you know that. And just as I was speaking about Moses, there was a point where God spoke his purposes in his life. And you know what was really cool? It said Moses turned aside and he looked to see the burning bush. And he didn't just look at it, he moved towards it. And as soon as God saw that he moved towards it, he spoke out of the bush. And sometimes we don't understand it. Moses didn't understand. He turned aside and said, let me go see this bush, why it's not being burned. There's a lot of things you don't understand, but you're in a season in your life where you're making moves. And even in not understanding, you're going to understand because God's going to speak to you. You're going to hear from his word and the people that are around you. And so we're going to just pray in this season of your life where it can feel lonely, you can feel lost. Like, I had plans, but now it just seems like I don't know what's going to happen next week. God is going to speak, and he's going to open up something in your life, and there's going to be something so precious. And one of the things that the Lord said to Moses is to take... Your, take your sandals off for this place is holy. There's a purity that God is going to restore to you. There's a purity that Amen. the enemy tries to defile us. He did it through Adam, and he's done it through all of us. And so he's going to restore that purity, and it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's like when you had a hard day's work, you take a shower, you feel great, right? It's going to be like spiritually a cleansing in your body, and we're going to just pray that over you, okay? Can you just stretch out your hands, and we're going to just pray for Meg right now. God, we pray right now. Lord, I just sense your anointing over her life. And God, you are going to begin to do a work. You're beginning it right now. Lord, she knew it. As soon as she stepped out into the aisle, God, the things that are on her mind, you are meeting her there. And it's not halfway. He's not meeting you halfway, Meg. All you have to do is take one step and he comes all the way. And so, God, I pray for a fresh mantle of anointing on her. I pray, God, that you would surround her with godly women who can walk with her through the, uh, the obstacles and the things that the enemy is going to try and do in this season, oh God. I pray that the interest that she has in the supernatural, while she may not understand all of it, she's making moves towards it. And from that place, oh God, you are going to speak to her, God. And I pray that you restore the purity in her heart, the purity in her mind. What the enemy has defiled, what the enemy has tainted, you are going to restore in her life, oh God. Open up her eyes to hear your word and to understand it in a greater measure. We thank you and we praise you. And it is in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
keep moving forward, Meg, into the things of God. Kemi, if you could come forward, we're going to pray for you. God has done an unbelievable work in your life. You know it, but don't settle for where you are because there's so much more that he wants to bring you. You are in that school for a purpose. When you were born into this world, did you know that he already foresaw you being in that school? Even though your family's over in Africa, even though he has brought you to Providence, Rhode Island, to VZ Street, to E-Cubed Academy, and he's fashioning and forming in you uh, that light, and I just see that lamp burning. And you have a hunger for God. You have a hunger. I've heard your voice. You love to worship. But God's going to do something in this year that is going to shift things dramatically in that school. But he's got to do it in you first. And I know there's been things done, things that, have, that people have done, and, that, and God's saying, that is not me. That's, that's the sin in this world. And there's nothing that God can't turn around. No matter how deep, no matter how dark, God can turn everything around. And so we're going to pray that he not only heals you in your mind physically, your body physically, and your mind mentally, but that, that in this season, in the next few months, he's going to begin to do some things. He's going to cut some things away. And it's going to feel like it hurts, or why are you doing this? I don't... Listen to me. He's doing that so that you can fully be on fire for him. Nothing is going to hinder you. You're going to have full confidence in what he's doing. And you're going to see the fruit of it. We've seen the fruit of what God is doing in your life. But you're going to see the fruit of what God's doing in your life. Amen? So right now, God, we just pray by the power of blood and the authority of Jesus. We pray for a fresh mantle of anointing over Kemi, God. We thank you that you put a plan into action, God that there are people, students, suffering in that school from depression, from suicide, from abuse at home, oh God, that you have placed this burning candle in that school, God, and you are using her, God, to transform the spiritual climate. I see right now, I don't know if your school has um, electronic thermostats, but I see when you walk into every room, they're like shooting way up. Like we have an app on our phone that controls all the the um, temperature in here. And so we can just dial it up. And I just see when you walk into the rooms, I just see it turning red and the, 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 the numbers are going up. And that means God's shifting the spiritual. So you don't even have to say anything yet, but you're just you being there because of what God is doing in you is going to shift things. And so you're going to walk in confidence and then God's going to give you the words to speak to things at the right time. Amen. And so God, we pray, Father, that you would fill her. Let her know that her temple is a body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That you have placed your spirit inside of her, God. And that people's lives, students' lives are going to be changed, God, because they know Kemi. Because they see Kemi. And God, that you would give her words of encouragement. I pray even today as she goes home, as she lays her head on her pillow, God, that you would begin to speak things. I pray healing right now in her body. What people have tried to do in her past, things that the enemy is keeping her bound, we break that right now. We break off every family curse. We break off every family line. And we break every spirit that has come in. The spirit of depression. The spirit that says I'm not good enough. The spirit that says I'm not valuable enough. Lord, we break that. We tell them by the power of blood and the authority to go. And they can no longer speak words of negativity in her life. And Lord, that you would give her the desire to be filled with your spirit. Because when she is filled with your spirit, she'll have full confidence and assurance in the things that you want to do in her life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's raise our hands and just pray. We're going to just close this service. And isn't God amazing? Let's just give glory to God right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing. We praise you, God. Let's lift our hands again.
<coughs> Father, we seal what has been done in the service this morning. We ask again that your prophetic word would go out, that it would begin to blossom in our church and in the churches in our region, the churches across our nation. We pray, God, that this would not be a season where your word is rare, but we pray that you would give dreams, you would give visions to your people, and God, it would be almost foreshadowing and its insight into the future of the things that you want to accomplish in each and every one of our lives. You want to accomplish things in our families, you want to accomplish things in our businesses, you want to accomplish things, God, everywhere that we set foot. We pray for our city, we pray for our state, we pray for New England. We pray that the revival that is coming, you would prepare our hearts to be for it, God. We pray that you would unlock spiritual gifts in each one of us. And we give you glory for every word, for every miracle that happened, every healing and moment of deliverance that happened this morning. We give you the praise. We give you the glory, oh God. And we seal it by the power of blood and the authority of Jesus Christ. And it is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. We will see you guys this Wednesday at Life Groups. Let's hear it. The loudest shout you've got.